0: Thank you for being with us again this evening. and I'd like you to take the word of God and open it with me to the book of Nehemiah and then to the 23rd Psalm. Nehemiah chapter 3. We've been looking together at the gospel and the gates. The gospel and the gates of Jerusalem. Finding that there's a way to God. Nehemiah chapter 3, and we'll read tonight verse 13. The valley gate repaired Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah. They built it and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof, and a thousand cubits on the wall unto the dung gate. And now, Psalm 23 and verse number 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of His word. Let's pray together, may we? just for a moment. Father, we thank you for the for the word of God which teaches us all that we need to know for life and godliness. Father, we know that there is no other way that we can get to heaven. We wouldn't know anything about heaven. We would just be making it up if it wasn't for the fact that you are a God who speaks. You're a God who reveals yourself through the revelation of your word. So, Father, we pray that you'll help us tonight to see what you have in your word for us this evening. Help me to hide myself behind your cross and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take the, the weak attempts that we, that we would make and use them. May the Holy Spirit use them in our lives. May you do a work in each one of us. Father, those who need to be saved, we pray that they would come through, as we, as we, uh, we learned on Sunday, the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. May they come through that sheep gate the sacrifice that Christ made for for them that is open to all. Father, we pray that then they would uh, realize the importance of being baptized and of sharing their faith and not being ashamed. And uh, that fish gate and becoming fishers of men. Help them to get settled and grounded in the word of God. May they build their lives upon your word. And Father, we pray that you would help them then uh, to be prepared for the trials and the difficulties of life. Father, we pray that you would help us in all of life, uh, equip us for all that, with all that we need. Thank you for your word, which is profitable for doctrine and able to make us wise unto salvation, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, that we may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Father, help us, equip us, build us up tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to look at this valley gate. We have uh, uh, a picture again of the, of the map of the gates around the city. And we saw that uh, on the west side of the city there was that old gate. And then that was the longest section of the wall. But Nehemiah and his men rebuilt all around. And by the way, all of these were being built by different families all at the same time. And they were able to build this gate in 52, sorry, this wall with all the gates in 52 days. That's wonderful, isn't it? We have a a little tiny little wall outside of our church building in Peterborough. And uh, some of the kids after church were climbing on it and being a little bit too excited. And it crumbled to pieces. It's been there since the 1950s. And I think it's been more than 52 days, and we still haven't fixed it yet. Uh, but I, I, I told our folks, we really need to get that done. It just took Nehemiah and his men 52 days to build this whole wall. We really need to get this done. But, uh, but, but you know, this is a picture uh, to this week of our Christian lives. And we really, uh, some people grow very quickly. We, we want to be like Nehemiah, even though it had laid in ruins for so long, they were able to build it all at once. But there's one particular area of the Christian life that uh, some people are not prepared for, and that is the valleys. There's a verse in uh, um, 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 28, it says, "...and there came a man of God, and spake unto the king of Israel, and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is the God of the hills, but he is not the God of the valleys." Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. This is a great truth that God is not just the God of of the hills, He's also the God of the valleys. And there are valleys in life, the, the, the lowest points of life, when we find that God is indeed with us. As we read in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Think about uh, the valleys. Uh, when, we, when we think about uh, the valley gate, uh, it is right next to a valley that, that goes down. Uh, it was next to the valley called the Valley of the Cheesemakers. Now the wall is a bit more to the west. And it's been re- this, this gate's been replaced by what we call the Jaffa Gate. Here's a picture of, uh, here's a picture of the wall, by the way, uh, along one of the valleys that goes along Jerusalem. Uh, this section of the wall in Jerusalem, which I took uh, when we went there with Pastor Kevin a few years back, they say is original from Nehemiah's day. So there you go. There's a little section of the wall that Nehemiah and the folks there were building up in Nehemiah's day. Uh, I've got a picture there of Claire Cowdery walking along the valley there. And uh, one of the folks from Spalding. And we walked all the way from where the valley gate is uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, let's see. I, I, this, is, this is something I want to show at the end. But there's a, a, another picture of the Jaffa Gate with a light coming through it. I don't know if, if you can see that at the back. Not that one, no. But anyway, there's, this is a, there's a gate that's now called the Jaffa Gate. It goes towards the city of Jaffa. I'll go back to the, uh, to the map. And you'll see, uh, just we'll leave it there for a little while. But that Jaffa Gate is right... It goes in an L shape, and it goes down into the Valley of Hinnom, this valley that is along the edge or the Valley of Gehenna. This is a valley that was the garbage dump of Jerusalem. And we think about where they would burn that, and Jesus used it as just an illustration representing hell, the eternal fire that, there would, that would one day come. And it represents death, the death of, uh, of people, every person who rejects and is, does not accept Christ as their Savior, um, but really this Valley of Death can also represent peace for every saint who believes and accepts Christ into their lives. So this Valley's right up against the, the Valley of, of of Gehenna. This Valley of the Shadow of Death really is what it is, and then it goes all o- the the Valley continues down, and then it goes o- over to the. Uh, the Kidron Valley or the Valley of Jehoshaphat and it goes up towards the Garden of Gethsemane on the east side of the city. But there are many valleys in the scripture and I just want to go through seven of them that represent difficulties that we face in life. And valleys sometimes can represent that. They, they represent difficulties. They represent uh, difficulties that we encounter in life. Uh, I think there's a, over 30 valleys mentioned in Scripture, but let's just go through, through these seven. There's the valley of Sodom mentioned in the Bible. This is the valley where Sodom and Gomorrah were. This is the valley where sin abounded. And many times in our lives, we can face a valley of sin where we are in the, in the depths of sin. There's also mentioned in the Bible the valley of Eshkel. The Valley of Eshkol, this is a valley located inside the promised land, and it's the valley where the Israelites needed to decide whether they would obey God or not, whether they would move forward or not. And it represented a valley of, of a decision that needed to be made. Uh, the, the, by, by the way, the Bible says that when they would go into the land, it would be full of valleys. And of course, they, they had these grapes there in this valley. Deuteronomy eleven verse eleven says, "But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven." So there's valley of sin. There's a valley of decision. There's also valleys of of suffering. The Kidron Valley on the east side of the of the uh, city of Jerusalem is a cemetery known as the Valley of Jehoshaphat as well. It's the valley between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives, and it became a a cemetery. Uh, It's where Josiah uh, started burying folks, and Samson, they say, and Samuel and Absalom, and Zechariah and Malachi are all buried in this valley, they say. It also represents this valley of suffering, the valley in our lives when we are Uh, We we are in need of encouragement. This is the valley that the Lord Jesus went through on His way towards the Garden of Gethsemane and where He went back through on His way back to the house of Caiaphas. As He was facing death and He was was suffering there in the Garden of Gethsemane. We think also of the the Valley of Elah where David heard that Goliath was defying his God and it It is the the valley of of battle, and many times as believers, our lives are full of battles to face, battles over temptation, battles over sin, battles over discouragement, and it is important that we look to the Lord in these valleys of battle. There's also the valley of uh, of death. Uh, We spoke about the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of Gehenna we spoke about already. Um, but even, even also there's the valley of punishment. The Bible speaks of the valley of Achor. The valley of Achor. That's where the valley where Achan and his family were stoned to death because of his sins before God. It's a valley of punishment, a valley where God's correction is. It represents how God deals with every Christian who disobeys and tries to walk Outside of His will, and sometimes there are valleys of consequences for our sin. There's many different reasons why we suffer in this world, and sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's the consequences of our own sin. Uh, but then there's also the valley of Jezreel in the Bible. This is a a, a battle where a, of rebellion. The people of this world in the future will. Uh, We'll gather the armies together in a a valley located near the mountain of Megiddo. That's where we get the word Armageddon. And it represents Satan's armies gathering against uh, our Savior and against the Jewish people. They're at the end of the tribulation. And yet, even in that valley, God will will get the ultimate victory uh, at the battle of Armageddon. So think about the valleys representing the different situations that we might face, that this world faces There's a valley of sin that can overcome us, a valley of decision whether we will walk with God's in in God's will or not, a valley of suffering that God may allow us to face, uh, a valley of battle uh, we need to face every day, a a valley of punishment every time we disobey God, and even a valley of death. Uh, But the good news is it doesn't matter whether you've walked all of these valleys in your life, it's the Bible says. In this valley, God is with us. There's a way to God, even from that valley. There's a way to the Lord. It says, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We think about a rod, a staff, the punishment of God, the correction of God. God is with us even there, but lovingly with us. Even through the valleys, even our own self-inflicted valleys, God is with us there. That's the main point here. There's a way to the Lord. Thou art with me. Uh, The the Bible says here, the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, Harry Ironside was with his children once in in a vehicle. And they were coming home from a funeral from a loved one. And uh, they were very sad. And they were talking about what what would happen when we die. And so Harry Ironside looked at uh, uh, one of the trucks that was driving past and he said to them, would you rather be be hit by that truck or would you rather be hit by the shadow of that truck? See the shadow of the truck there? And they said, well, we'd rather be hit by the shadow of the truck. And he said, that's right. For a Christian, death is just a shadow. It's just a shadow. Jesus Christ, he took, he took the, the brunt of death. And now for us, it's nothing but a shadow. Death has no sting. The Bible says he's taken the sting out of death. For us, death is, uh, has, is just a, a doorway into eternity. I remember when I was in Bible college, there were five of our fellow students who were traveling from church to church, singing in a quartet and, and their piano player. And they were going to a church in Florida and they were practicing their song when all of a sudden at the last moment, a, a, a truck came into their lane and the engine went right fully through their van. And they entered into eternity. And uh, uh, the, the family members were soon there. It was, a, it was the worst crash that the, the sheriff had seen in that county. And he was saying, I don't understand it, but uh, there's a CD. The whole, the whole inside of the vehicle is completely melted and gone. But there's a CD just laying in the floor. And it says, God makes no mistakes. And he, he gave that to the pastor and, he, and uh, he took that home and we were able to think about at the funeral how God makes no mistakes. And we sang a song that says, God has made death glorious and triumphant for through its portals we enter into the presence of the living God. And so even death itself, if, if Jesus has defeated death, he, he, he's with us in every one of our valleys. He came to experience it himself. Jesus walked through these valleys, right around Jerusalem. And he knows what what death is. He took death for us. He took suffering for us. When John Newton was on his deathbed, uh, the the writer of Amazing Grace, one of his friends thought he may have died. He was sitting by his bed and he said, Mr. Newton, Mr. Newton, are you still in the land of the living? And John Newton, he didn't even open his eyes. He said, no, no. I'm still in the land of the dying, but I'm going to the land of the living. You know what? That's true, isn't it? We're we're living in the land of the dying, but we're going to the land of the living. And it's because Jesus has defeated death. If you're not saved here today, I hope that you know for sure. I hope that you can know for sure before this evening is over that you are ready for Jesus has tasted death for every man, the Bible says. Uh, Now, as we walked... uh, Along this valley around the city, uh, when, we, when you get to that area where the valley gate is, we saw a sign, a little picture of a, of a uh, rooster. And uh, we wondered, well, what, is this, what is this rooster here? Our tour guide said, I, what do you think this is? And somebody guessed it. It was uh, the place where Caiaphas' house was, where Peter had denied Christ three times. And as we went into uh, the place of Caiaphas' house, they showed us uh, a pit. And we read a, song, a messianic song which talks about Jesus being in a pit when we went down into this, um, into this uh, cell beneath uh, where Caiaphas' house would have been. But outside of the house, uh, I took this picture of Jesus going down because Caiaphas' house is right next to the, to the upper room where the upper room would have been with his disciples. And so Christ had gone down this stairway into the valley with his disciples. This very stairway, right, he would have walked, it's, it's funny actually because Caiaphas was, and his men were looking for Jesus all over the city. He was right under their noses. It's right next to each other. But he would have walked down these steps. And I, I love going to Jerusalem, but there's so many layers of history. But I love seeing places like this where you know these are the stones where Christ would have walked and they uncovered these 2,000-year-old steps that go down to the valley near the valley gate, near where the valley gate would have been. And then I also noticed next to these steps there was this picture as well of Christ coming up those same steps with the soldiers. So he went down into the valley, he walked around the city, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, singing a hymn with his disciples, the Bible says. After the Lord's table, they, after the Last Supper, he sang a hymn on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing what that day would face. And yet uh, he was able to face it. He, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, as we know. He waited there for the guards to come, and he greeted them. And uh, think of how sinful man is and how stubborn man is. He, he said, Whom seekest thou? And they said Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And when he said those words, I am it's so powerful they all fell down backwards, didn't they, the soldiers. Yeah, they still got up and dusted themselves off and, and came at the Lord Jesus and Peter drew his sword and, and went for Malchus the high priest's servant's uh, head probably and, and, but he cut off his ear and the Lord Jesus so tenderly stooped down and picked up uh, Malchus's ear and healed him. And, uh, and yet they still came tor- towards him with their spears and torches and lanterns and, and arrested him and brought him back through that same valley, up those same steps and they brought him to Caiaphas' house to stand trial, to beat him, to, to, to blindfold him, to, to smite him, spit upon him. And then the Bible says the next day they uh, took him to the Sanhedrin. And so, but I had never thought about where it says the next day, but, but our tour guide pointed out he would have had to spend the night. And so we went down into that pit beneath the house and we, we read Philippians chapter two. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And of course, then the Bible says, Wherefore also God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord so the glory of God the Father. He humbled Himself. He went into the valley of suffering, in the valley of death, so that He could raise us up. Uh, and I just I remember that of, of all the places in Israel that we visited, I think that was the most poignant for me. Just thinking about how much Christ humbled Himself. Now, when, when it comes to the Christian life, it's not going. If, if Christ suffered, we're not going to uh, we're not going to be immune to suffering ourselves. But we can do it, even as the Lord Jesus did it. He, he faced that as he went down into that valley, he was singing a song. As he faced death, he had a song on his heart. He, and the Bible tells us the joy of the Lord is our strength right here in the book of Nehemiah. So whatever valley it is that, whatever one of these valleys it is that perhaps you're facing, let's remember that Christ is there with us in that valley. They, they say that either you're in a valley right now or you're just coming out of a valley or you're about to go into a valley. That's, that's the Christian life. And so we're not going to be immune to these times in life. And I think for every Christian, the sooner they learn that, the sooner they know that, the better. Every one of us will face, will face these things. But the Bible tells us that there is hope in the valley there is hope. Do you remember that valley uh, that I mentioned, the Valley of Achor? It's also called in the Bible the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca in Joshua chapter 7 verse 24. Baca means weeping. Weeping. And uh, there is weeping when it comes to sin, when it comes to suffering, when it comes to the valleys of life. But the Bible also tells us in Hosea chapter 2 and verse 15 that God will make the valley of Baca, He'll make in the valley of Baca a door of hope, a door of hope. Hosea 2 verse 15, it says, and I will give her her vineyards from thence. And the valley of Acor, that valley of, where they suffered, where they wept because of sin because of suffering as a nation, because people had died in the, in, in the, in there amongst them. He says, I will make there the Valley of Decor a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came out of the land of Egypt. She shall sing there. Remember Jesus saying as he walked in that valley towards the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, I will make you to be able to sing in the Valley of Acre. He's speaking this is Hosea, he's speaking to G- uh, Gomer, his adulterous wife. And uh, of course, Gomer had to go through uh, a time when she, she left her husband, Hosea. And he said I had, to, in, in, in the verses just before this verse, in the context, he had said, "I'm going to have to uh, take away the wool and the flax. I'm going to have to take these things away from her. So she realizes I'm going to give her a time of trouble. So that she, in the time of trouble, can find in her valley of acor, in her valley of trouble, she can find a door of hope. Sometimes the Lord allows trouble in our lives. But but the amazing thing is, He's working in that valley. He's using that valley to bring us somewhere for Him. The Lord can use these things. The Lord can use the valleys of our lives. We think of... uh, the the worst things that happened to people like Joseph, thrown into a a pit himself, wasn't he? By his brethren, sold as a slave. And yet he said to them later on, when they finally came to Egypt and they were reunited, they were afraid that, that he was going to kill them. But he said, ye meant it unto evil, but God meant it unto good. He said, ye sold me, but God sent me to save much people alive. See, God used his trouble and he brought hope for an entire nation. We think also of, uh, of people like Job. God used his valley. He said, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. And of course, we think even of the Lord Jesus himself. How much, how much amazing good happened for each one of us because he faced that valley the devil meant it for evil, but God meant it unto good. And so when we think about our own lives, the Bible says in Romans 8:28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. God can use the valleys. What's the deepest, most difficult experience that you've had in life? Our brother Martin, he said, he said in his testimony. That we will face difficulty as Christians. And yet it's, it's so good for every Christian to know that the Lord can be with you in that. The Lord can even use difficulties if you're not saved to bring you to himself. There's a man in our church, or the man who was in our church I should say, who was in his 30s. And the Lord used, uh, he used leukemia to bring him to salvation. He showed up in our church uh, on a Sunday morning and he sat in the third row and he had never been in church before. He was so uncomfortable. He, uh, he was looking over his shoulder as he walked in seeing if anybody would notice him coming in. But during a, the time of a cup of tea, I went and I said, uh, uh, Kevin, you know, you've never been in church before. Uh, do you mind if I ask you a question? Do, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And he said, I think I do know. And I said, okay, that's interesting. Well, how, do you mind if I ask, how do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And he pulled out a, a leaflet that my wife wrote. It uh, says, will you go to heaven? And he said, you might not remember me, but when, when, we, when you were in the city center one day, um, a big group of us had just gotten out of the pub. And we all came and so we surrounded you and we all said that we wanted one of your tracks and then we, uh, we all ripped it up in your face in little pieces, and we were all laughing. And he said, but you were so calm, you just said God loves you all. And he said, so the next time I got one of these through my letterbox, he said, I couldn't, I couldn't rip it up that time. But he said, I didn't want to read it either because I thought I'd have to change my life. But he said, I put it on my bedside, and it's been, it was just staring at me for weeks and weeks. But he said, but this week... I've been diagnosed with leukemia. And he said, I had to know the answer to that question on the front of that piece of paper. Will you go to heaven? He said, I read it a few times and finally I knelt by my bed and I just prayed and asked God to save me. And he said, do you think, do you think it worked? I said, well, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Kevin, he, he was in church. I've never seen someone grow faster uh, or, or more, or with more enthusiasm than Kevin did for the next year. He was with us three times a week. He even helped me on Mondays. He said, "I can't believe I used to rip these up, and now I'm helping you give them out to other people." And he invited all of his friends and uh, and relatives to his baptism, and he thought they were all going to get saved, uh, you know. But uh, you know, they were not happy, and they they started. Uh, Thinking that we were we were brainwashing me, he didn't he didn't want to go to the parties with them anymore. I didn't talk to him about alcohol or anything like that, but he said I don't even. They, they want to have this big party for me to raise money for my chemotherapy. He said I don't even want to really want to go. It's going to be all sorts of of of, of really bad things going on. I said, well, if that's the if that's the way the Lord's leading you, you, just just share share that with them. They thought they were so angry they started sending death threats and threatening to burn our church down, and threatening to, to burn our house down, and threatening to rip my wife's face off if, when they see her in town. And, and uh, you know they were speaking out of their grief. Their friend was, uh, was ill. Uh, I, I, remember, I remember, though, being able to visit him in the hospital. I took him down to Cambridge, to Adbrook's Hospital. And uh, his friends were not happy when, when we were there. But, but Kevin, he called me over to the bed, He said, Can you tell the church something? This was as they were putting the morphine into his his IV, and that was really the last chance he would have to say anything. He said, Can you tell the church that I'm not angry at God for my cancer? He said, I'm so thankful for my cancer, because I now I know I'm going to heaven. And he had such peace. He had such calmness about him. You know, he was thankful for that valley that that he was able to face eternity. With that confidence of the Lord. And so the valley, the, 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 this valley of death, this valley of the shadow of death, it points us to the fact that we are not e- immortal. We are, death reminds us that we, we, we can't live forever on this earth in sin. We have to face eternity. We have to make a decision. We have this life to accept or reject the Lord Jesus. And also, even as a Christian, we're not, we don't go instantly to heaven, but we still live in this sinful world. And we still face valleys, and the Lord can even use those as well in our lives. I think the worst uh, situation that we went through was when uh, we, we had been married for a number of years. We didn't think we could have any children. But then everyone was so excited when we, had, uh, we were having a little baby boy named David... And uh, uh, he was stillborn. He ended up having a blood clot in his umbilical cord at the very, at the very end. And uh, Natalie's family, many of them un- unsaved, saying, how could God allow you to finally have a baby and for that baby to be taken away from you? But you know, Natalie was able to be a witness more in those moments than ever before to her family. She was able to... As we were saying before, she was able to have the a song to get her through those moments. That song, Be Still My Soul, was such a help to us, such an encouragement to us uh, in the hospital as she had to, to give birth to our son and many other songs as well. But for me to be able to see her, being able to sing to the Lord in those moments, uh, only the joy of the Lord is our strength at these times. Uh, She was able to take some of the anchors that we could cling to. She was trying to help her her own mother to to think about this. She she showed her verses like uh, when David lost his son. He said, I cannot bring him back, but I can go to be with him. And There's many, many other anchors in God's word that we can cling to in the valley. And she was able to put those into a little booklet, 30 truths that help us to continue with miscarriage or with stillbirth. And you know, people have bought that book on, even on Amazon, that little booklet, and written, I, I came to know, I, I went through this situation, I found this book, and I've come to know Christ. I have, I found faith in Him through this situation. You know, God can use these valleys, He can bring, and of course God gives grace, we, after um, 11 years, we... We're able to have a a little baby girl as well. But after that stillbirth, we had to come to terms with, well, we may never have children. All of these things, God is with us. The Bible talks about how He is the lily of the valleys. And even in that valley of Acor, that valley of Baca, the Bible says in Psalm... uh, Where was that Bible verse... Talks about the valley of Baca. How God can bring a spring in the valley of Baca, in the valley of weeping. He sends forth that, that spring. Psalm 84, verses 5 to 7. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca, that valley of weeping, that valley where Achan died, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God." And I love it here in verse number 6. It says, passing through the valley. I love Psalm 23 as well. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And with whatever temptation, whatever valley it may be, what, how do you get through it? The Bible talks about even in temptation how God will provide a way of escape. What's that escape? Whatever valley you're in, there is a way of escape. There is a door of hope in that valley. Where is it? It's through. God will bring us through it. And He is with us in it as well. Praise the Lord for His presence. If you don't know for sure that you're going to get through the valley of death yourself, Christ can, Christ can give you that peace. He can give you that assurance of your soul's salvation tonight. And then you, when you think about death, you don't have to have any fear. We, uh, we sang, Be Still My Soul, when death and fear are past. Sorrow for God. All of those things. It's just going to be Uh, a memory in that moment. Christ takes all the sting out of death. And so if you don't know Christ as your Savior tonight, come to Him. He tasted death for you. He was able to face it and He he humbled Himself. And then He was raised up. And now He's the only one that can offer you eternal life. No other religious leader could die for you because, because He's the only perfect one. I can't forgive your sins even though I'm a pastor because I'm a sinner too. So He's the only one that could die for you. He's the only one who could offer you eternal life because he's the only one also who rose from the dead. And he he now is in heaven offering eternal life to all. And if you're a Christian here tonight, I pray that you can help that, that we that this sermon has helped you to know God's presence is with you in whatever valley that you're in. Did you know that what the oldest brand in England, in the UK is? The oldest registered brand? Golden syrup. Golden syrup. And uh, you know what's on the, the cover, uh, what's on the tin of golden syrup? There's that lion that, uh, that tried to attack um, Samson in the valley there and it came to kill him. And, uh, and yet, out of the eater came forth sweetness. The thing that would have destroyed Samson brought forth sweetness. And uh, Mr. Lyle, he was uh, trying to start a, a sugar refinery. In London, but there was plenty of sugar in London, but he wanted to sell it in Scotland, but he couldn't, uh, he couldn't get it up there because all the canal workers went on strike after he put all his money into this sugar refinery on the banks of the Thames. And uh, so now he was going bankrupt. He, he said, this, is, this has done a sin. He said to one of his engineers, can you figure out something, before you go, I can't pay you for this, but before you, can you just get rid of these barrels of goop and uh, they're just uh, in our way, you know, we can't sell the building with, with all these this byproduct. And uh, he said, all right. But instead of getting rid of it, he figured out a way of putting it through the refiner and out came beautiful golden syrup. And the thing that was in the way, the thing that was just a, a, a nuisance in, in their life became the thing that saved them because everybody in England suddenly wanted to try this golden syrup, you know. So he wanted to give God the glory and say, Out of the eater came forth sweetness. So, whatever it is that you think might destroy you, may the Lord help you to realize God can use it. God can bring forth sweetness. And when the devil roared against the Lord Jesus Christ, and when he died there on the cross, he brought the greatest sweetness of all. May you know the sweetness of knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you have a home in heaven. God bless you.